welcome to another inspirational teaching by Pastor Jared Neiman, pastor of Abundant Living Faith Center. You ready to get in the Word? Yes. Thank you for being at church. Um, uh, we're going to conclude this Masterpieces series this weekend. And let me tell you a funny story. Can I just tell you a funny story? So um, on Friday, I went to the bank. And if you ever want to go to a bank when nobody's at the bank, go the day after Thanksgiving. Ain't nobody there. Everybody's out not putting money in the bank. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I wasn't there to put money in anything. I just had to sign a paper because um, my wife lost her wallet and we had to get new accounts recently. And so that was fun at Walmart. Uh, so anyways, I, I walk in and the lady comes up and she's like, how can I help you? I said, yes, I just need to sign this document. So we're walking, and then she looks at me and she goes, Pastor? I said, Yeah? Well, like I was in a hat and a sweater, and like I look like crap, guys. You know, like, you know, when people tell you, Do you look tired? You, you look tired, but the translation is, You look awful. She's like, She goes, Not used to seeing you like that. I was like, I'm sorry? And then the next day, I went to the gym and there's no point to this story. Uh, there's a little bit of a point. I went to the gym. And it was all sweaty and gross and nasty because and, I had eaten really bad. You know, like really, like so bad. I ate so much dessert. I don't like turkey. I just like dessert, like chocolate. Like give me chocolate, like more chocolate. Thank you for the amen. And so then I'm all sweaty. And so my trainer comes and he, he wants to introduce me to someone. He's like, let me introduce you to someone. They started going to the Westside Church when you were teaching on masterpieces. I went, great. And he goes, they loved it. So he goes, come here, man. So the dude comes up, and he's like, my trainer goes, this is Jared. And the guy goes, hey. I go, nice to meet you, man. And my trainer goes, from the church, Jared Neiman. He's like, oh. <laughs> I didn't recognize you like that. So I had a hat on again, all nasty. So then he's like, let me introduce you to my wife. So then the wife comes over. He's like, babe, this is Jared. And she goes, okay, nice to meet you. He goes, from abundant. She goes, oh, I didn't recognize you like that. He goes, man, we love that Masterpieces series. Well, that's when we started coming. I went, great, man, that's awesome. He's like, and then your sister showed up. She's good, man. I go, I know. And he goes, and then on Thursday, your dad came. He's so good. And I was like, I know. I was like, he's the reason we even have a church or multiple churches. I tell you no, I tell you that story for zero reason. Has nothing to do with my teaching. Except that it kind of hurts my feelings, you know, like... <laughs> What's a masterpiece? We're going to put this up on the screen. These are the characteristics that I believe a masterpiece is. These have also been the topics that we have looked at the last couple weeks. And I have so enjoyed teaching this series. I've now taught it for eight weeks. Obviously not here for eight weeks. I taught it on the west side in October. Now here in November. Well, the first aspect of a masterpiece is that you, a masterpiece is something that is designed, it is created, and over time it is perfected. Now, in our relationship with God, we were designed and created by the master creator himself. And as I explained to you in week one, you were perfected at the moment that you encountered Jesus Christ. When you made Jesus Lord and Savior of your life, the real you, the true you, your spirit form, the you that will live for eternity, the you that God knew before you were in your mother's womb, the real you, not your flesh, not your soul. Those are the temporary you. Those are the you that live here on earth. The real you, your spirit is perfect 
expected for eternity. No matter where you've been, what you've done, or how many times you may have done it, your spirit is now perfect because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. Here's why you can be called a masterpiece by God, because the master himself gave you a piece of himself known as Jesus Christ to live on the inside of you. Therefore, when you were imperfect, you were anything but a masterpiece. But upon allowing a piece of the master himself to come on the inside of you, you are now perfected for eternity, and you are now God's masterpiece. But see, a masterpiece is not a masterpiece until it is perfected. So at the moment you accepted Jesus, you became perfected. Then we looked last week that each and every one of us is an original. We are not copies, we are originals. There's two ways to build your life. You can build your, your life as an original, or you can be a copy. Galatians 5, 25 through 26 in the Message Bible, though, says that God says that you are an original. Romans, 5, uh, Romans 12, verse 2 says, Be not conformed to the world, but transform the world. You can build your life as an original, or you can conform to the world's ways. Truly, though, it is the originals that transform society. It's the originals that build the great marriages. It's the originals that raise the great kids. It's the originals that get the promotions, that get the raises. Why? Because they walk in their uniqueness, in their originality. They see the creativity of their heavenly father, and they say to God, give me a creative idea. Give me a creative solution to make my job better, to bring uh, more customers into our business. Give me your wisdom, God. Show me, expose to me how I can use my talents and abilities to get me to where you want me to go. It's the originals that, for, that, that change the course of churches, that uh, build the great churches. It's the originals that come up with the new medicine that eradicates a disease or a new surgical procedure that helps bring recovery time from six months to two months. It's the originals that look at society a little different and they see that society is a little messed up, that it's hurt that it's broken and they go into society with a solution instead of standing on the sideline pointing out what everybody knows is the problem. It's the originals that change the course of society and the copies live the way the originals tell them to live. Amen. And you, my family, are called by God as an original put on this earth not to transform to the world, or excuse me, not to conform to the world, but to transform it. My God, our world needs help. It's broken. It's messed up. It's hurting. It's negative. It's full of doubt and fear and hate and racism and bigotry and sexual misconduct. Oh my God. I mean, every day, right? The world's jacked up, man. And it needs a savior. And we as the children of God are put on this world not to conform to how messed up it is, but to transform it, to change it. Amen. And it starts with accepting the originality that God created you to be. On Thursday we saw that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Nothing. Romans 8 says no sin, no hard time, no attack, nothing. Not even the worst sins listed in scripture can separate you from the love of God. Why? Because God is love and a masterpiece is something that is cherished, it is valued, and it is loved. We will build buildings to hold a masterpiece in. We will we'll hire armed security to watch over our masterpieces. We will protect them. We will take care of them. And that is exactly what our Heavenly Father does for His masterpieces. You and I, sitting here today, He protects us. He watches over us. He takes care of us. He leads us 
and guides us. He helps us. He gives us wisdom. He picks us up when we fall. He restores us when we're broken. Why? Because God is love and you cannot separate God from who he is and he is love. He is not hate. He is not angry. He is not out to get you. He's not trying to mess you up. People get the wrong impression of God and it is such a shame when people hear that God is trying to mess with them or that he's trying to break them or it, depending on your decisions or your behavior in the last week or month, God might be out to get you now. <laughs> we laugh in here because we have spent so much time redeeming people from thinking about that, but there are churches and in the news and on social media, people are being told, God might get you. That's the wrath of God. He sent that hurricane because he's, he's, he's bringing his judgment upon you. Oh, you ever heard that God might strike you down? Really? Anybody see God zap anybody yet? I mean, wasn't there a dude about 50 years ago that God would have zapped named Adolf? Like, don't you think if God was going to zap someone, Adolf would have gotten zapped? Maybe Osama. And what about the guy that passed away this week with the last name of Manson? Like, come on. God is love, not hate. Plus, James 1 said, let no man say when he is tempted, tested, and tried that he's being tempted, tested, and tried by God. For God cannot tempt, test, or try any man because God is not capable of doing evil. Why? Because God is love. Amen. Jesus said, Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulations, but take heart, I have overcome the world. We are not here to conform to the world. We are here to transform the world and to overcome the world. Amen. Today we're going to look at the last thing, and that is that we are all here on purpose for a purpose. Let's take a look at our foundational scripture one more time. Ephesians 3, Ephesians 2, verse 10, New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. My prayer during this series is that you would see yourself the way God sees you. I don't care what anybody has ever said to you. I don't care if your cousin told you this Thursday that you were an accident or you were worthless or that they hated you or disliked you. I don't care what the world has said to you. I don't care what your ex has said to you, what your former boss said to you, what some hater online said to you. I don't care what anybody ever says to you. There is one opinion and one opinion only that matters and that is your heavenly father's opinion and your heavenly father says that that you sitting here in Abundant Living Faith Center at 1.24 p.m., you are a masterpiece designed, created, and perfected as an original, walking in the unwavering love of your heavenly Father, created on purpose, for a purpose. You are a masterpiece. Come on, let's say it together. Say, I am a masterpiece. Say it again. Say, I am a masterpiece. Now put a smile on your face. That's a good thing, my family. Jesus paid the ultimate price for you. Now say it like you believe it. Say, I am a masterpiece. Praise the Lord. No, I said, praise the Lord. Come on, you're in church. You can praise the Lord. Yes. Feels good, right? Okay, so now we're going to finally, after three weeks, look at the second half of the scripture. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Let's look at those words again. So he, can, so we, what is it? Can do what? Good things that he planned long ago. So his plan 
is that you can do good things. So his plan, his plan is that his masterpieces can do good things. And let me remind you, my family, this is the can-do God that we serve. This is the I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, God. This is the all my needs are met according to his riches and glory, God. This is the head and not the tail, God. Above and not beneath. Uh, everything I set my hands to do will prosper. This is the God that we serve, that nothing is impossible to him, that all things are possible to him. This is the healed, delivered, set free, uh, uh, hope-giving, grace renewing, mercy restoring God that we serve and my family, his plan for you from the beginning was for you to be able to do good things in your life. And what are those good things? Those good things are the abundant life that Jesus came to give you. Jesus went up on that cross and died so that you can do the good things. So that you can know God, so that you can find freedom, so that you can discover your purpose, so you can make a difference, so that you can walk in joy, peace, and happiness, living a life of success and fulfillment and gratification, honoring God, glorifying God, worshiping God with happy relationships, loving your family, enjoying your relationship with God, not living in fear of God, not scared of God, no, living with accountability towards God so that he can do the good things. This is the God we serve that all his promises, the Bible says, are yes and amen for your children. And my family, never forget every moment of your life, the Bible says the windows of heaven have been opened up and he has poured out his blessing onto your life for you to walk in and to enjoy and to take advantage of. Why? Because his plan from the beginning was so that you, his masterpieces, can do the good things that he has for your life. Amen? Amen. God is good. Wow. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 1 verse 9. Whew, that was a lot. I'm going to drink this delicious tea. First Timothy, I don't know why I'm doing this. Can we just put it on the screen? Voila! Second Timothy 1 verse 9, check this out. He who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and his grace, which was given to who? Us. To who? Us. By who? Christ Jesus. Check out these words again. He who saved us and then called us, not according to our works, but according to his purpose and his grace. Saved, called, purposed, graced. Saved, called, purposed, graced. So let's go through it very quickly. Unfortunately, a lot of people live in their relationship with God and they come to know Jesus. But a lot of people think that salvation is the end. But my family, I'm here to tell you that salvation is the beginning. You saw here you are saved and then comes the holy calling, the purpose, and the grace. Did you see that? Saved was at the beginning. You are saved with a holy calling. Amen? And a purpose and grace given unto you. Okay? Unfortunately, though, a lot of people think they live like salvation is the end. But honestly, it is the launching pad. Salvation is the starting point of getting you to the life God has for you. See, the moment that the master himself came to live on the inside of you, he brought 
the word with him. He brought the promises and the abundant life with him. Salvation is not the end, it is the beginning. And Jesus spoke about it in uh, Matthew chapter seven when he said, enter through the narrow gate into this wide open life. Now the narrow gate represents that there is only one way and that is Jesus Christ. There are not multiple ways to get where God wants you to go. There is one way and one way only, and that is through salvation in Jesus Christ. But unfortunately, people have taught that living a Christian life is living a limited life, living a bored life, living a small life. And my family, that is not God at all. God has a big life for you. Let me remind you what, what I showed you last week in Ephesians 3 verse 20, that this, the God we serve, is the God who wants to do exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask, dream, or imagine. My family, this relationship with God that you have where you cannot outdream God, you cannot outfaith God, you can't outhope God, God, your dreams are, your big dream is nothing compared to the plans God has for your life. He's going to fulfill that dream and then give you a bigger dream. And then he can fulfill that dream and give you an even bigger dream. That passion you have has been given in your heart for you to use that passion to fulfill that dream. But that dream isn't even big enough for the God you serve. That's how big this life is with God. That's how good this God is that we serve. That's how amazing this God is that we serve, that we are honored to enter into his presence with. And we come in with our hopes, our dreams, our desires, and he says, oh man, get ready. Amen. Salvation isn't the end. Salvation is the beginning to an amazing life, an incredible life. But then we see these words, Calling and purpose. And I just thought I'd take a couple minutes and talk about this because as a pastor, I get this question a lot. It sounds like this. It sounds, Jared, why am I here? What am I here for, Jared? Sometimes people actually be so specific, they'll quote it. They'll say, what's my calling? Or they'll say, what's my purpose, Jared? And if we're, if we're really looking at our lives, I, I would think that we've all asked ourselves that question. How many, how many of you have asked yourself that question in some form? Right, like, why am I here? What am I doing? What's my purpose? Especially when you come into a relationship with God. We tend to then say, well, what's my purpose in the church? What's my role in, the, in my relationship with God? And then we see a scripture like this that says, you have a calling and you have a purpose. Amen? So let's talk about it. What's my calling? What's my calling? We'll talk about our calling first, then our purpose. What's our calling? Well, the great thing about God is that our calling is all different. Your calling and my calling is not the same. We are originals. Each and every one of us functions in a different calling. Your calling, simply put, is the combination of your talents, your abilities, your resources, your strengths, your wisdom, and even your role in life. Your calling may change over the course of your life. You can function in multiple callings in your life, and it can even change from day to day, hour to hour, depending on the situation. Let me explain. Right here, right now, in this moment, I am functioning in my calling as one of the pastors of the church. However, I will step off this stage in a few minutes and I will go meet my wife and my children for lunch and at that moment, I will be functioning in my calling as husband and as father. And they are not the same as my calling as pastor. Last night, I spent some time on the phone with a member of our church whose dad suddenly passed away this week. And I felt in that moment that my calling was to be an encourager, was to be a reminder of hope and to be a comforter. And in that situation, I believe God put me on the phone to speak some specific words into his heart, into his mind and into his soul because he was going through what is obviously a tragic and very difficult situation. 
So my calling in that moment was to be an encourager. My calling changes from time to time. You can have a calling as husband or wife, father or mother, employee or employer. You may go from employee to employer a few years from now because God put that business in your mind and you're gonna, he's gonna open it in a couple years and he's gonna bring resources and you're gonna be, go from being told what to do to being the man and to leading a, a, a new business and to opening something really awesome and you're gonna finance the kingdom Kingdom, and you're going to build a new house and buy a new car and finance and, and, and take your kids on great trips because God put that dream in your heart so that you can do the good things he planned for you long ago. Amen. So all of our callings are different. We are originals. We are not copies. We are not watered down versions of each other. We are unique and God's calling on our lives is different. However, then we look at the term purpose. And as unique and original as our calling is, we as Christians all function in the same purpose. We find it in the Word, and I believe that the Word exposes to us three purposes. They're all interconnected that all of us share. It is our common denominator. The first one is this. The first purpose that we all have as Christians is that we are to worship God with our lives to bring Him glory. Worship is much more than 15 to 20 minutes here in church at the beginning of a service singing beautiful songs. That's wonderful. It's great. It ministers to you. It'll restore you. It'll help you. It'll bring you uh, 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 joy and peace. It'll remind you of God's majesty and his goodness and his promise. But my family, worship is so much more than 20 minutes of beautiful songs and poetry and all of that amazing stuff. The Bible speaks of worship as a lifestyle. And the definition of worship in the Bible is when you allow God, listen, to affect your life, and then when he affects your life, he corrects your life. But it doesn't stop there. Then he exalts your life. See, he affects you, he corrects you, and then he lifts you up. And he does it, listen, for his glory. Now obviously, your life being edified, your life being picked up, is giving you a lot of benefit. Amen? But he's doing it for his glory, which ties into the second purpose that we all share, and that comes from the lips of Jesus himself, and that is that we are called to be the light of the world and the salt of the earth. I already kind of mentioned it, that our world is dark. Our world is in pain. It is dark, it is living in sin, it is messed up, it's hurting. It's living in fear and hatred and bitterness and anger. It's messed up. And if you don't believe me, man, just turn the news on for two minutes. Turn on any form of social media and you will see how broken the world is. The world needs help. It needs a savior. The world needs Jesus Christ. Amen. And we are called to go into the world and not to respond to fear with fear. No, we are called to go into the world and give love where there is fear, to give forgiveness when there is bitterness, to bring hope when there is negativity, to bring righteousness when there is unjustification. We are called to not, to not conform to the world, but to transform it, and we do it by allowing our lives to reflect the goodness of God by worshiping Him with our lives, so then when darkness comes, there is a light shining in the darkness that no darkness can put out, and that is you and I standing there with a helping hand, with a voice of hope, with a, a, a moment of restoration. We pick our brother up instead of mocking them while they're down. See, we can go into society and bring the love of Jesus to society and bring his light for his glory. 
And it brings us to the third purpose we all share out of Matthew 6, verse 33, where Jesus said to seek ye first the advancement of the kingdom of God in my family. If you will choose to live your life worshiping God for his glory, you will be the light of the world. And because you're the light of the world, you will advance his kingdom. Brian Houston said one time, and it changed my life, he said, you know, you may be the closest thing to Jesus that your loved ones ever see. And then he said, so what are you showing them? So I ask you today, what are you showing your coworkers? What are you showing your spouse? What are you showing your classmates? What are you showing people on the freeway? You may be the closest thing to Jesus that they ever encounter What are you showing them? Are you showing them Jesus? Or are you showing them the same thing everybody else shows them? See, John said in 1 John 2 that we are set apart. We are set apart. My family, we as Christians should not be the same. The world should look at our lives and see God's goodness. They should see a hope. They should see a peace. They should see a strength. They should see a restoration. They should see a faith. They should see something about us that speaks to their hearts and their minds. And it is his goodness, his mercy, and his grace abounding in our lives. And they should see our relationships. They should see us go through a trial and come out the other side stronger and better than we ever were. They should see us stand in the midst of the storm and in all things praise God and walk through the valley of the shadow of death instead of being stuck in it. They should see us rise up in faith each and every day. They should look upon our lives and say, what is it that they have that I don't have? Why is it that they're so happy? Why is it that their family and their kids are so happy? How come he got promoted? Why is his business so successful? And the answer, of course, is Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen. I got to move on. So God gave you, listen, one last thing about your calling and your purpose. God gave you your talents, your abilities, your resources, your calling to make the purpose happen. Amen? And then he gave you his grace to be with you every step of the way so that your calling can be fulfilled. Isn't that amazing? Turn with me now. To Romans 12, verse 2. This is the only one we're not putting on the screen. (laughs) We're going to go quickly now. So can you learn quickly? Say amen, because that means you're really smart. (laughs) I had a guy tell me recently, he's like, man, I love the church. You're really sarcastic, huh? I was like, boy, you have no idea. (laughs) Like, Wow. Like no idea. Romans 12, verse 2. Back to this scripture and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And what is the perfect will of God? The will of God is that you can do the good things that He planned for you long ago. Amen? And the way you do it is not conforming to the world. Why? Because you're an original. You were put on this world to transform the earth, not to conform it, not to conform to it. Verse three. For I say, through the grace given to me. Now I want you to notice that the the tone changed here. Grace just became personal. Did you see that? The grace just was given to me now. And my family, I need you to understand, there is a banner of grace, his unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor, and his divine empowerment. There is a banner of it that covers all Christians. But then there is also your own grace. And God says that he has given that favor and that empowerment to you. Not just for some other guy. It's not just this cloud that kind of covers all Christians. No, no. It is something for you to take ownership of. Amen? 
and it was given unto you. It is a free gift. Of course it is because it's undeserved and unmerited. You can't earn the favor. It is just given unto you. And then it says, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one of us the measure of faith. Verse four, for as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So once again here, we see that our calling is all different. We do not have the same function. And thank God we don't. How boring would life be if we all did the same thing? Nothing would get done. We would only get done one thing. Right? I mean, it's almost ridiculous when you think about it. But my family, we all have a different function within the body of Christ. We all have a different calling. That is our uniqueness. That is the, 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 the creativity of our Heavenly Father where He gave you a different grace than He gave me. He gave you a different empowerment than He gave me. You're good at things that I'm not good at and I'm good at things that you're not good at. I'm passionate about things that you're not passionate about and you're passionate about things that the person over here may not be and all of it is fantastic. Why? Because there's a lot to do. There's a lot to accomplish. We need doctors and lawyers and, 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 and missionaries. We need uh, business owners and leader trainers and, and we need uh, children's workers. We need city council people. We need entrepreneurs. We need nurses. We need teachers. We need physical therapists. We need construction workers. We need business owners. We need students all going out understanding that their calling was given to them to accomplish a purpose, and that is to bring God glory. And whatever your calling is, whatever your function is, accept it, walk in it, take God's grace personal for your life and say, God, I give you my life and I receive your favor and your empowerment to walk in my calling. I'm not gonna worry about this guy's calling. No, I'm gonna walk in my calling for your glory. Amen. Amen? It's good teaching, right? Amen. Amen, Jared. Thank you. <laughs> Funny that I just did that after I read that scripture about not thinking too highly of yourself. <laughs> the sarcasm knows no bounds. <laughs> Verse 6. <laughs> oh man, I love this church. For your, your laugh is infectious, girl. It's awesome. No, it's infectious. It's great. Verse six, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us. Then what it says, let us use them. Having then gifts differing according to the grace given to us. So again, we see here our uniqueness, our unique calling, our unique gifts, our unique grace that God has given. But then he says, use them. What did he say to Moses? Use what is in your hand to get you to what is in your heart. You know, there's something so peaceful. When you just accept who God made you to be, and why would you want to be anything else? You're a masterpiece. Designed, created, and perfected as an original, cherished, valued, and loved on purpose for a purpose. Why would you want to be anything else? But that's exactly what we do, right? I believe when you read this and then it connects to what Timothy said, do not neglect the gift put on the inside of you. And so often that's exactly what we do. We go, well, I don't know. I don't really like this gift. I like that gift. How come they're so smart? I used to do it. I used to come down here and uh, we'd be in worship. I'd be standing down here 
and Ezra and Siobhan and them be singing, and they hit those notes, you know? You know, Ezra can hit all those notes, and Siobhan will make you cry. (laughs) Siobhan better be here saying amen somewhere. And Felipe, with all his energy, and he's so likable, you just want to hug the guy all the time, and with his cool boots and his skinny jeans. He looks so cool. I wear boots like that. I look like a dork, but he wears them. He looks cool. <laughs> I used to stand down here and I'd turn around. You guys be all crying and with your hands up. I'm like, I want to do that. No, for real. But guys, I can't. Like it's bad, y'all. Like my singing's so bad. Like so, no. Like. Sometimes you see me, I don't know if you ever noticed, sometimes I, I walk up here during worship. It's not because I'm being extra spiritual, it's because I feel sorry for the people around me. <laughs> like, they might hear me. Like, you know when they do the voices only thing? Like, they did it for a second there in that last song, like, where they let the holy choir sing. I'm like, I feel like I need to, like, apologize to the, I'm like, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I know your ears hurt, you now have a headache. I'm so sorry, let me get some oil, I'll anoint you, maybe it can, like, I don't know. Like, I'm sorry that I, you're a first time visitor. Oh my God, I ruined your, your church experience. Hopefully in a few minutes, I'll say some good stuff and you can forgive me, we can walk in love again. But my God, I used to stand there and be like. I wanna do that, but I can't do it. You know what I can do? I can talk. Like, like, I can talk. Like, you know? So quit worrying about that stuff. You'll never get to where God wants you to go if you won't accept who God made you. And my family, you will accomplish the purpose if you will just walk in your calling with your gifts given unto you with your grace. Amen. Amen. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians. Oh, I'm just, we got it on the screens. There it is. Huh. That's faster. Check this out. So, so Paul says here, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with those who commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. So what does that mean? That means they're fools. Verse 13, we, however, will not boast beyond measure, but within, listen, the limits of the sphere which God has appointed us. A sphere which especially includes who? You. So God says here, just live within the limits of the sphere that God has appointed you. But we don't like that, do we? We don't like the word limits. See, to us, we look at the word limits as if it's limitations. But the word limits is really boundaries. And what do boundaries do? They protect you from foolishness. They allow you to focus on the gift God has given you instead of neglecting the gift. Boundaries automatically say no to stuff that is not worth your time. It says no to the things of the world and it keeps you focused on what you should be focusing on. I'll give you an example. You get on the freeway and we have what? Lanes. Imagine the chaos that our freeway would be if we didn't have lanes. The lanes bring boundaries, they bring limits, but what do the lanes do? They get you to where you need to go. Limits aren't limitations, limits are focus. They are direction, they are boundaries, and they get you where you need to go. But Paul here pointed out six ways to not neglect the gift that God has given you. So let's go through them really quick. The first one, we'll put them on the screen and then at the end, you can take pictures. Are you enjoying doing it this way? It's kind of cool, right? For we dare not class ourselves. Classing ourselves, that takes us down the path of I deserve, I deserve, I deserve. You ever met that guy? I deserve more honor, I deserve more glory. Did you not notice how early I got to work today? Did you see how much I got done? Did you see, I deserve, I deserve, I deserve more respect. 
course, everybody's response is, uh, maybe if he'd start acting respectable. <laughs> you ever thought that? That's good marriage advice. If you're saying to your spouse, I deserve more respect, maybe the truth is you need to start acting more respectable. See, position is given, respect is earned. Amen. It leads you to a haughty and arrogant spirit, and my God, it's unattractive. It is an unattractive spirit. It really repels people. Amen? The second thing you see here is we do not compare ourselves. We talked about this last week. I won't spend a lot of time, but comparison gets you nowhere. You can't build your life on what you're not. You can't build your life on somebody else. You know, one time when I was in high school, I was all upset. I played basketball. Full disclosure, I was a moderately average basketball player. Like, I was the C minus of basketball. Okay, like, not good. I didn't flunk. I was moderately average. But there was a dude in my class. Like, he could dunk, and he was really good. I was all bothered by it. Like, how come I didn't get that talent and all that? And I actually have this written in my Bible because one day I was so mad. In hindsight, it's really stupid, except the advice that was given to me was life-changing. I even have it written in my Bible, so I'm gonna give it to you. My dad told me, he's smart. <laughs> he said, Jared, I quote, there will always be someone bigger than you, faster than you, smarter than, stronger than you, and smarter than you. Never give energy to what God gave someone else. You just focus on what God gave you. Amen. 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 God gave you your own measure, your own sphere. Take care of what God gave you. Don't neglect the gift put on the inside of you. Stop worrying about others. The only comparison that is worth your effort is if it's inspiring you to get better. Amen. Amen. Number three, for we dare not commend ourselves. I, 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 me, 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 me. I worked so hard, I accomplished this. I call it the one-upper. You ever met the one-upper? No matter what's going on in your life, they've done it better. You might have spent Thanksgiving with them. <laughs> the one-upper. And everybody in the room knows they haven't done it. They haven't done it at the level that they said they did it, and most likely they haven't done it at all, but they always, I, 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 me, 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 me. Right? Always commending themselves. Always trying to prove themselves. But the beauty about walking in God's grace is you don't ever have to prove yourself. God does your proving for you. Amen? Amen? Why? Because he's bringing to life the good things that he planned for you long ago. Number four, measuring ourselves. Ooh, two ways of measuring yourself, measuring up and measuring down. Both of them are born out of insecurity. The first one is you feel like you never measure up. You don't measure up. I would say that each and every one of us has had at least a moment in our lives where we felt like we didn't measure up. Society's even created a cliche called the small man complex, always trying to prove that they measure up. How much you bench, bro? Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's a joke, but it is a waste of time to live your life that way. Why? Because nothing is ever good enough. And God's doing amazing things in your life, but then you're not recognizing it because you always feel like you don't measure up. So you don't see the good because it's never good enough. Amen? Or you can measure down where you treat people like they're beneath you. Man, that's awful. We've all encountered someone that, taught, that treated us that way. Right? Did you like it? So then don't do it. To be honest with you, that's why our church is open to anybody that wants to come. Because when we were fools, 
when we were broken, when we were living crazy, when we were living in sin, when we were nuts and living in, 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 in lifestyles that the Bible calls sin, and when we were addicted, when we were depressed, when we were in shame, when we were hurting, when we were lost, when we were blind, God didn't treat us like we weren't worthy of him. God said, just come on in. You're my masterpiece. So our doors are open to anybody because we will never treat somebody like they are not worthy of coming into relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen? Number five, don't overextend yourself. Man, there's a lot of ways you can do that. Focusing on what you're not, trying to please everyone. You're not gonna please everybody, especially when God is really working in your life. You're gonna get some haters. Don't worry about it. Just keep moving on down the road. Don't worry about it. You can't please everybody. I accepted a long time ago. Our church can't even please everybody. I mean, it's the truth. That's why there's a lot of churches. Because our church isn't for everybody. Some people like small churches. Some people like Spanish churches. We offer translation. But I don't, I'm not fluent in Spanish, you know? Like, sorry, my wife is. She's awesome. Some people like a different style of praise and worship. That's okay. That's why... There's a lot of churches. We can't please every person and neither can you. And that's okay. Move on down the road. Amen? Don't, don't, don't stop your life trying to please every person. Amen? Not having boundary, boundaries, majoring on the minors, minoring on the majors, that can really overextend your life. Lastly, in verse 15, it says, it says, shall be greatly enlarged by you in our sphere. Simply put, it, it means don't be threatened by people. You know, so often we're threatened by people who are, who are the ones that are smarter, more, excuse me, more successful, uh, have uh, better relationships. Why are we threatened by them instead of being inspired by them? Being threatened by them doesn't get you anywhere. Be inspired by them. In fact, hope they come into your life. Maybe you can glean from them. Maybe they can help you get to where God wants you to go. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? Can we give God glory for his word? Stand to your feet. Would you give me two more minutes? Just stay real. Thank you for joining us. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. For information on teaching material or questions about our church, please visit us at alfc.com.